Oh, man. We're only in week four, and we're already talking about the head coach and GM's job security. That's ahead today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, please give this show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy this show, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the show. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag with listener questions. Thanks so much to everybody, everybody who sent in questions. Let's begin. Our first question, it deals with job security. We're in week four and we're already talking about will the head coach and GM survive the season? Our first question, I think Salah, Hackett, and Douglas are near 100% safe for 2024. I cannot imagine Woody running the risk of Rogers retiring since Rogers showed so much love for the trio. What are your thoughts? I think that you're always one disaster season away from everything changing in the NFL, but I'm inclined to agree from a couple standpoints. First of all, I, I think that these guys, no matter what happens, probably have the built-in excuse. They you said, you know, hey, we were expecting to have Aaron Rodgers this year. On some level, I think it's fair because I think when you suffer a season-ending injury to your quarterback four plays into the season – it's a devastating thing. I mean, it's a thing that's very difficult to come back from. So from that standpoint, I, you know, I think on some level I, I have sympathy for them. I question why they went with Zach Wilson as their backup plan at quarterback. I think that's tough to defend. I think some of it does depend on how things play out this year, but generally speaking, I think that they're going to run it back with Aaron Rodgers next year. I mean, I think Woody Johnson's kind of the wild card, as you mentioned. I just can't imagine Woody Johnson being okay with moving on from Rodgers. Because here's the thing. If you bring in a new head coach, and especially if you bring in a new GM, they're going to kind of want to build the team in their own image. And that might mean, you know, they may not want to bring back Aaron Rodgers. You have to remember, Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40 at the start of next season. He's going to be coming off an Achilles injury, which is notoriously difficult for athletes to recover from, especially athletes in their late 30s, early 40s. And a new GM is going to take, and I think even a new head coach will take a longer term view of what's happening. And they'll say, you know what, we want to build over the next couple of years. The Jets are going to have some cap challenges in the years ahead. So what a new GM might say is just, you know what, we're going to stick next year. We'll get rid of the dead weight. We'll take the cap hits this year. We'll use this year as our re our cap, our year to reset the cap. And then you move forward and you build longer term and you try and, you know, rebuild, you know, rebuild 5.0. Uh, for the Jets, I, I don't think they're going to do that because I think Woody Johnson, you know, likes Aaron Rodgers too much. I think the, the only scenario I see the Jets moving on from Aaron Rodgers is if they could get Caleb Williams because that's like such a franchise-changing potential move. And I don't think they're going to end up with the number one pick, even if they have a bad season. I, I look at this and I, th I think everything's built for them to run it back, right or wrong. And you know, we'll see how things are at the end of the year. We'll probably talk about this plenty between. Uh, you know, the, the end of the season and the beginning, official beginning of the off season. 
but I just think that they're going to run it back. As you mentioned, I mean, it's kind of a situation where Salah and Douglas had to go along with Rogers if the owner wanted it, because the team ended so poorly, poorly last season that, you know, neither of them had necessarily had great job security. We know that one of the biggest reasons Hackett's here is that he's Rogers' guy. The Jets signed him at a point where they were not sure they were getting Rogers and Hackett was kind of hired as a guy to kind of help lure Aaron Rodgers here. So they're not getting rid of him if, if Rodgers is coming back. And yeah, I, I tend to think that these guys, unless, you know, again, a disaster season has a way of changing things. But if you ask me right now, I would not give you a 100% odds on it, but I think the overwhelming likelihood, even if the Jets, you know, disappoint this year, I think they're coming back. And I think that the Jets will just lean into the, we lost Aaron Rodgers after four plays thing. And that's, that's how I see it going again. Things have a way of changing though. Next question. I want to make it clear that I am in no way excusing Wilson's play, but in the majority of clips you show, it seems it's never the first or second progression that gets open. It's mostly three, four, five. I say this without knowing the true progressions of the play, but in making judgment calls. If you look at the other team, Mac Jones typically has his first or second read open. In your opinion, how much do you attribute to Hackett scheming for a quarterback we know can't go through reads? Or do you think Zach is taking too long slash leaving reads too early? I think it's a little co combination of everything. Look, I think the biggest problem is Zach Wilson. I mean, there were plays I think he left on the field. I don't think he was given any help by his offensive coordinator, though. I mean, 10 out of ten of the third, first 13 uh, plays on first down, the Jets ran the ball, and they averaged two yards per rush on these plays. You could see New England was stacking the box the entire time. They were just daring the Jets to throw, and Nathaniel Hackett would not do that. And that kind of has like a snowball effect because that puts you behind the sticks. So then you put Zach Wilson into these long yard, long yarded situations where it's tougher to throw because the other team knows the run's off the table. So it's this weird thing where like they're trying to, uh, they you can see like the plan is that they want to avoid putting in Zach Wilson in those situations. Yet the way they're running their offense almost virtually guarantees that he's going to be in those situations. Zach's not making good enough reads, but you know, they're not helping him out with these play calls. I mean, a lot of these plays, especially I, I went and reviewed the third down plays last night. A lot of them are very stagnant play calls. And, you know, I've, I've said, I've used this expression a lot the last couple of days that there's not putting stress on the defense. And I, I, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Cause I've said that over and over. Some of you may be wondering what I mean. There are things you can do that like really force a defense to adjust on the fly. So there's one thing you could do. You could kind of stack your receivers at the line because if they're in man coverage, you know, it can mess up their, it can mess up the defensive assignments because if you have two guys lined up right one behind each other, you have two defenders in the area and they may have to decide which guy am I going to take? You know, my guy may go left, my, your guy may go right. And sometimes what happens is they don't communicate well on defense and you end up two guys taking the same receiver and one guy runs open. Uh, there are plays, a lot of third down play, not all. I mean, the, they do run mo some motion on third downs, but the Jets seem like they're one of the teams that use motion less on, uh, especially on key downs across the league. And motion helps you kind of, first of all, it can help you identify the coverage because if you send a guy in motion and a defender follows him, that's a tip off its man coverage where as if there's no defender following him and then you just kind of see guys shift over a gap, that's a sign it's probably zone coverage. So it can help quarterbacks identify Key, uh, pre snap, but beyond that, you know, New England played a lot of man coverage in this game, especially on key downs or something that looks like man coverage. And 
I did not see like the Jets do a lot to try and create traffic. It seems like these these routes were distributed like in a way that they you know some, somebody had to win one on one. You know, one of the things you'd like to do, especially against man coverage, is create traffic in the middle of the field. You know, run some crossing routes, do something where guys have to like you know move around a little bit, where guys have to run around a body and help kind of create space that way. So. I don't think Hackett's helping him out. I mean, I see you know the receivers are just outside of Garrett Wilson. The receivers are just not that good. Uh, Lazard can't really create separation, and which is you know he's a big bodied receiver, so maybe that's not the end of the world. But he's losing contested catch opportunities. You know, twice balls hit him in the hand and fell to the ground in relatively contested catch opportunities. And I mean, I think that Zach Wilson should be throwing the ball to some receivers because I think there are areas where he's got a window, but it's a small window and it's a tight window throw. A more confident quarterback's going to, you know, zip the ball in there. But these are not guys, these are not situations where Zach Wilson's being given a lot to work with. He's been given something to work with. A really good quarterback, maybe a Rodgers would be able to hit some of these throws, but I don't think that they're doing enough to help Zach Wilson out. Um, you know, it's it's one of these things where I think people get this idea. It has to be one or the other where it has to be either. If Zach Wilson's bad, then the play calling must not be that bad. Or if it's the play calling Zach Wilson, it, it's more Zach Wilson than the play calling, but they're not doing anything to help him. I, I not, I'm really not impressed by this Hackett scheme. Now head here on the lockdown jets podcast. We'll continue this mailbag show and then just make the playoffs. Well, I like that. I like answering that question better than I like answering questions about job security in week four. I'll give you some thoughts continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you are prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players who are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. 49er second-year quarterback Brock Purdy has picked up right where he left off as a star rookie passer down the stretch last season with his sharp play in Kyle Shanahan's diverse loaded passing game this season. Purdy is off play, is playing off Christian McCaffrey's running and delivering nicely through the red zone with his arms and legs. In week four, Purdy gets a favorable matchup at home against Arizona's defense. Purdy should manage multiple scores with 250-plus passing yards as San Francisco builds a big early lead in another blowout. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or died, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listener, first watch every day. And a big shout out to you, everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday, and then bonus episodes as needed. We continue now with our weekly mailbag show. John, I have a question I want to follow up on from last week. I did not think Aaron Rodgers would be back for the playoffs. And more importantly, I do not feel we are a playoff team without him, even if he was to miraculously recover to be available. Could we, in theory, get someone capable at quarterback who looks like a quarterback? Sure. 
Is Trevor Simeon that quarterback with this offensive line? Do you believe that this iteration without Rodgers could really make the playoffs? I do. I think it's getting late, though. The, the old Yogi Berra line, it's getting late early. I think that the Jets are in some trouble right now. I mentioned that the other day. If you're an everyday or you know what I, what I think about that. This season is kind of at a precipice right now because if they fall to one and three, you can really see, and you're starting to, there's starting to come rumors out. You hear some of the beat writers discussing how there might be a divide building in the locker room. Well, you know what cures that? A big home victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. Jets win this game, figure out a way to win this game Sunday. And I understand, look, they're the underdog. I'll give you a little hint when we do the crossover show tomorrow. I'm going to pick Kansas City to win the game. But as we all know, any given Sunday in the NFL, I mean, two years ago, a couple of games where I said the Jets had no shot to win. I said uh, Tennessee was one, they won. Cincinnati was another, then they won. The Jets can beat the Chiefs. Look, if Kansas City plays its A game, the Jets cannot beat them. But sometimes, you know, you get an opponent on the right week. They're not playing well. Sometimes you play your A game. Jets beat Kansas City. This is going to have a very different feel this time next week. If the Jets get blown out by Kansas City, then we're in some big trouble. So what needs to happen? Well, first of all, the Jets do need to get more out of quarterback. And whether that's Zach Wilson, whether that's Trevor Simeon, what they got last week is just not good enough. They're not going to win many games that way. So to me, that's number one. Number two, they got to get better play calling. I mean, they're they're not going to be able to run the ball if they keep – being so predictable and, you know, they keep facing these loaded boxes on first down. I mean, Tony Romo was the last two weeks has been absolutely right. And I give Tony Romo full credit because you don't see a lot like this. You don't see a lot of times the analyst is willing to criticize the play caller. And he says it, you know, on first down when they're expecting run, you throw then on second down when they're expecting throw pass, you run not on second and long, but second and short, you know, maybe they're expecting a pass. You run the ball then when they move their safeties back. So they have to do that as well. You know, they're going to need big performances out of Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson on offense because those are really the two plus skill players that the Jets have. The defense, you know, it's not bad, but they've only had one sack combined the last two weeks. Defensive line needs to start playing up to its potential. You know, the corners, I think, have been solid. You know, Sauce Gardner's having a good season. I think he set the standard so impossibly high that him having a good season feels disappointing. At linebacker, Quincy Williams, I mean, he looks like he's developing into a star, a guy who, frankly, I thought, think has gotten too much hype the last two years. He looks great this year. I mean, he looks like he may be t- finally taking that step, and he's having a pro three weeks, but he looks like a pro bowler so far this season. So there's a lot that's good happening right now, but you know, I don't think the future is set in stone, I th- and I think this game is going to be really important. I think that the Jets, if they don't win this game, they need to at least – show life in this game because this is if this is like a 35 10 kind of game if it's you know the game where they just get 28 10 if 35 17 something like that i mean it's gonna get ugly it's gonna get ugly in the fan base i don't know what's happening in the locker room but you can see you can see a path where maybe things get get bad there it's it's possible the jets can still make the play they're one and two I mean, it's not like the season's over. We're, I can't believe it's kind of silly that we're talking about job status. We're talking about is the season over. They are only one and two, but they're in trouble. And the trouble is brewing this Sunday, and they need to come out with a big performance in this game. Next question is from Pat. Uh, our coaching staff appears inflexible, sticking to their philosophy regardless of the opponent. Bill Belichick, in contrast, adapts by targeting the opposing team's best offensive player consistently. 
I'm curious to see how Bill takes away C.D. Lamb next week, a player the Jets let walk all over them. It, Bill forces the opponent to find a secondary way to beat them. My question, why are coaches so stubborn to not try to game plan for the other team? It seems like both our offensive and defensive game plans remain the exact same no matter who we are playing. Uh, it's a good question, and you know, on some level it's a philosophical thing where you have to find the right balance because I remember when Eric Mangini was the coach, I always felt like the Jets were too focused on, you know, being game. Mangini, of course, is off the Belichick tree. I felt like they focused too much on being quote unquote game plan specific. And especially down the stretch of 2008, when Brett Favre was here and Favre had suffered that injury and the Jets had that big offensive line that they, you know, that they rode to the AFC championship game the next two years. I thought they just run the ball no matter who the opponent was. And they just didn't do it because they were too focused on coming up with a specific game plan. So there's always a balance between doing what you do and, Sometimes you force the defense to adjust. Sometimes you force the other team to adjust to you when you do something, when you, you do your stuff so well. And then there's also you attack the other team's weakness. I think one of the reasons other coaches don't don't do it is I don't think they know how to do it like Belichick. I mean, when you're trying to like install new new concepts, there's a lot of like intricate details you have to put in because you have to make sure like every part of the field is covered. So when you run something exotic, you know, like if you're taking uh, hypothetically, if like you're just like loading the box on every play that leaves part of your defense exposed and you need to come up with a way to fix it. And you have to remember about Belichick is his father is like, well, his father was a legendary scout. Belichick grew up around the game. So he's been studying the history of football for decades. He's been studying the history of football since he was a kid, which gives him an intricate knowledge of like every football strategy imaginable. Whereas a lot of coaches, you know, can't do that. Um, You know, if you go back a long time you go back to like the sixties, Vince Lombardi could like talk for like hours about the Packer sweep, you know, his signature play, because there were so many intricate details about like how you throw a block, like where you put your hand if like the defender does this. There's so there's just like a lot of a lot of little details that people don't appreciate. So I don't think like a lot of coaches have as much knowledge of Belichick of how to do things. You can it's easy to say let's pick this strategy, but then you have to compensate for other stuff. So easier said than done. I do think that coaches sometimes get a little bit too far on the side of this is what I do. This is my system. I think maybe there's a little ego that comes in. It's always the, it's always the balance. How much do you stick with what you do well versus trying to figure out how to stop what the other team does well. And I think Belichick kind of strikes the balance really well. And I think other coaches for some valid reasons, like, I mean, I think, again, I don't think every coach has Belichick's knowledge on schemes, but also sometimes stubbornness, sometimes ego, where they're just going to run my system no matter what. It's a little combination of the two. Now, as you're on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll close out this mailbag show. We're going to talk about a guy who really needs to see more time on offense, and that's Nicole Hardman, continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind. So you are not just hoping that you'll have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using Code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Code locked on for $20 off. 
This is the Locked On Jets podcast here. We're doing our weekly mailbag show on this Wednesday. Our next question, where is Nicole Hardman? Why is he not playing more? Couldn't the Jets use him as a deep threat and as somebody who could you can manufacture touches for? I tend to agree with you. And listen, I am not a big Nicole Hardman fan. I thought that it was a very underwhelming signing, especially for the money the Jets got him for. But that's different from me saying I can justify Randall Cobb getting 40-plus snaps in a game and Nicole Hardman getting two. Nicole Hardman is a more explosive player than Randall Cobb. And, you know, like you can argue Cobb has the veteran savvy. He knows how to read zone coverage. He knows how to find the holes in the coverage. Well, it hasn't done the Jets a whole lot of good. I mean, that's maybe if Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, it's a little better. But I was never as as skeptical as I was of the signing of Hardman. I thought the signing of Cobb was just I understand why they, they did it because he's Aaron Rodgers' friend. But I thought it was a really bad signing. This is an offense that does not need veteran savvy right now. This is an offense that needs explosion. It needs big plays. And right now, the only two guys on offense who can provide that for the Jets are Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. And Hardman, I don't think, can do it at the same level those two can, but he at least forces a different element. He you know, he forces the defense to account for a different element. I think Xavier Gibson, they shot a scheme like one or two screen passes, try to get him the ball in space a game. So I don't know why. And listen, the, when the offense is playing at this low of a level, when you're getting this low production from your offense, you should be trying to find ways where you can get guys who could make plays in the game. And while I don't think Miko Hardman's going to provide you with a lot of plays, I think he's going to provide you with a heck of a more, a heck of a lot more big plays than Randall Cobb is. So I'd put him on the fields. I definitely listen. I, I don't, I don't want to overestimate what Miko Hardman's capable of doing, but it's got to be better than what we've seen so far. Next question, John, how should the Jets approach covering Travis Kelsey on Sunday? The guy always seems to be wide open no matter what the Chiefs play. Their wide receivers are okay, but not great. If the defense can slow Kelsey down, maybe the Jets will have a chance. Yeah, Kelsey's a tough one because, you know, there just aren't many teams that can match up with a tight end like, like this. Thank goodness there are not many tight ends like Kelsey in the NFL. I mean, I think there are a handful of, like, really good tight ends, and then everybody else is kind of at the same level. And then you have like Uzama at the bottom, the, the lowest level. Um, I think the Jets have probably do what a lot of teams try and do. They'll try and mix coverages. They'll try and you know double team them when, when they can. I think on key downs, on obvious passing downs, you may even see Sauce Gardner line up against him. Uh, it's not easy, though. It's easier said than done. I mean, this, is, this stuff, I feel like probably every opponent heading into the game says, oh, we'll just double-team Kelsey. It'll be fine. Well, if it was that easy, Kelsey would not dominate the way that he does. Uh, so I think the Jets will just do what they can to try and – I think you'll see a lot of zone because there aren't many guys who can match up one-on-one -on -one with Kelsey as when you're talking to the safety or linebacker position. Now, I don't know. Maybe Quincy Williams gets a few looks one-on-one. -on -one. I think you really got to avoid Mosley one-on-one -on -one with Kelsey. Quincy Williams has looked good in coverage so far. Again, he's 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 really improved. Quincy Williams looks really good this year, but I don't think you want to match him up with Kelsey one on one all game. I think they're just going to try and you know do what they can. And it's what one of the things that's tough is Mahomes just is as good as anybody at extending plays. And sometimes you get your initial coverage is good. And then when he extends a play, it's really hard to cover for six, seven, eight seconds. So easier said than done, than done for the Jets. I just I don't think there's a one simple answer, though. I don't think there's like one Kelsey eraser on this team. I do. I, I do believe in part. This is in part because the Kansas City receivers are not that great that 
you get to like third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, you could see Sauce Gardner on him. But those are that'll only happen on obvious passing downs. Next question. Looking back at the Jets, Jets drafts of quarterbacks since 2000, only Chad Pennington and Mark Sanchez had even minimal success. It took Geno Smith 10 years and top quality coaching to develop into a serviceable but not elite quarterback. Not all teams have this problem. Few, if any, quarterback picks were as unprepared for the NFL as Zach Wilson. Why are the Jets so bad at drafting quarterbacks? Well, I think there are a couple things at play. And I think number one is it's not like the Jets are so hot at drafting other positions. I mean, the Jets have drafted badly for a long time at pretty much every position you can name. So that's number one. Number two, it's hard to draft quarterbacks. I mean, across the league, you're right. Nobody's whiffed on as many as the Jets, but the hit rate is not the hit rate for getting what you really want out of a first round quarterback. I think it's under 50%. So that's number two. Number three, I think the NFL just makes no sense the way they, they go with these quarterbacks. Cause essentially the way, you know, it is, this is especially true since the rookie wage scale, the, the common uh, strategy has been, you draft somebody and you throw them in there because of the rookie contract, because if you get, if you hit on a rookie, uh, on a young quarterback, you get essentially four years where he's cost controlled. Whereas the most teams who have good quarterbacks are paying a lot of money. They're paying over $30 million. So you essentially get like, I don't know, like a $20 million discount. And that $20 million can go up to build the rest of your team. The problem with this is I, I've really come to believe that teams are chasing this too much and they're throwing young quarterbacks out there before they're ready. And maybe some of these young quarterbacks would be, would benefit from not being thrown out there because I mean, Gino is a good example where it took him, look how long it took Gino to turn into a good quarterback. Look, I gave up on him. I bet you gave up on him. There were a handful of really big, really big Gino fans, but most of us didn't think he'd turn into this. He benefited from sitting for quite a while. And the NFL, you know, in the NFL, they don't give you that benefit. You get thrown out, you get thrown out there right away because of the rookie wage scale. If you fail, you're pretty much done. I think another problem, and this is especially true with the Jets, it's ironically, it's probably not as true with Zach Wilson, but the Jets take these young quarterbacks, and you know, you gotta think this through. I mean, it takes quarterback maybe year five, year six, year seven before they can carry the whole thing on their own shoulders. Even Mahomes, I mean, Mahomes' his first year, he threw 50 touchdowns as a starter. But he was in the best schemed offense in the NFL. It star power, you know, up and down the lineup. Hill, Kelsey, he had so, there was so much talent on that Kansas. And Sammy Watkins was like one of the secondary options. They had so much talent on that team, and they had so such a good scheme. Even Mahomes was even when he threw fifty touchdowns. Mahomes had a lot of help around him. And now, now that he's gotten older, now that he's gotten more experience, he's been able to take more on. And now it's all now it's all Mahomes in Kansas City essentially. But the Jets throw these young quarterbacks into these horrible teams with impossible situations where they have no chance of succeeding. So there's a lot here. And obviously, like, they just picked the wrong guys. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. So there's no simple answer. It's a combination of all these things. That's all for today's show. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy this show, subscribe uh, where, you can, where you find your podcasts. Uh, give this show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out, help other Jets fans find the show. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with our crossover show. We'll be, I'll be joining Locked On Chiefs, and we'll preview the week four game between the Jets and the Chiefs.